The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Chad Leclerc shocked the world in London 2012 when he beat the legendary Michael Phelps to win Olympic gold. It's time for a final trip down memory lane for our Time Machine show that you can also watch on YouTube. Over to Nick McCarvel with more. How can five hundredths of a second change someone's life? We're going to discuss that and so much more in episode four of our original series, Time Machine. It's time to buckle up as we take another trip down Games Lane, diving into, quite literally, the great moments of the storied career of South Africa's most decorated Olympian swimmer, Chad Leclerc. We have assembled a trio of experts for our panel today. First off, he is a four-time Olympic medalist, including that gold medal in the 200-meter butterfly that we're going to talk about just a little bit today from London 2012 from his home in Durban, South Africa. Our main man for episode four. Hello, Chad LeClough. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. It's awesome to be back. An Olympian in 2016 and Chad's relay racing brother in arms. We're also hoping he's going to give us a little bit of the good stuff on Mr. LeClough. Joining us from Los Angeles, it's South African swimmer Calvin Justice. What's up? Thank you for having me. And a morning sports radio host in Johannesburg covering the biggest stories in SA sport. Hello, Cindy Paluda. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for letting me join in on this chat. Ahead of London 2012, South Africa's Chad Leclerc was already creating a splash in the swimming world, but he was about to discover a new level of stardom. Chad had already experienced a taste of Olympic success when he competed at the inaugural Youth Olympic Games, Singapore 2010, winning gold in the 200 meter individual medley, one of five medals he claimed there. While his talent was unmistakable, Chad, then just 20 years old, wasn't considered a favorite heading into the 200 meter butterfly final in London. All eyes were very much on this man, Team USA superstar Michael Phelps, who hadn't lost in this event in international competition in a decade. To set the stakes even higher, Phelps was also bidding to become the first male swimmer to win the same individual event at three Olympic Games. With the world looking on, Chad took to the starting blocks, knowing the next two minutes could be pivotal for his career. What unfolded is to this day considered one of the biggest upsets witnessed on the Olympic stage. We're gonna hop into the time machine, back to the year of Call Me Maybe, Gangnam Style. They both topped the charts. What about the year that the Encyclopedia Britannica put out its final print edition, RIP? Barack Obama won his second term as US president. The Twilight series, I think all of you were a fan of that. The Twilight series came to a close at the movie theaters. And of course, the London Summer Olympic Games were held. And as we get into our deep dive first, Chad, we're gonna dive into the pool in Singapore 2010. You're a young kid here at 18. What are some of your memories from Singapore and how important was YAG, the Youth Olympic Games, to you to get into an Olympic mindset just two years before London? 
<laughs> okay, I just saw that they faced there. I don't know what it was. No, it's great. Colin's, I know Colin's laughing at me. The Youth Olympics was amazing because it was the first time, obviously, it happened. But I think the fact that it was the first time I had traveled with like a proper national team and also been in like exposed to like big crowds, like, you know, drug testing, media from all around the world. Yeah, obviously this, I mean, you know, you earned some hardware there too, but to just have that overall experience, did you feel like it gave you a little bit of that understanding for what those big level events were like? Absolutely. You know, like I say, just, just the whole atmosphere of everything, you know, from the time we arrived and to the time we left, you know, it was just like being in that, in that, in that moment, you know, where you had to like, you were a professional, you know, you had to go to the pool two hours early, it's just stretching and there were physios there. First time I ever had seen a physio in pool deck, you know. They're the boys biting in the middle, the, you know, South African kids fighting in the middle. So it was just a, it was an amazing experience from, from, from that side of things because it also gave me an insight to what it would be like in two years later on a much grander scale. You learn about a lot of things, you know, especially the media, you know. I think it trained me a bit for that because after each race I had to talk to the media. I'm like, why do they want to talk to me? I'm just this you know, South African kid, you know. You're doing well there in um, in the youth games, but um, I mean, we both know uh, the youth games is not really covered by South African media back home. So, you know, you've really got to make it to get some form of exposure or to get like just a mention in a sports bulletin. Like, is it a bit frustrating at this age to come back and, and, and kind of be like, well, I won. Why is nobody, why does nobody really know who I am? And then was that also like a little motivation for 2012? Mm. It's a good question. I think for me, um, I mean, I didn't really expect any of that, to be honest. I was always swimming, you know, because I wanted to, I wanted to be the best. You know, that was always my, my goal, you know. My goal was to go be Olympic champion one day. So when I was swimming, it wasn't really worried too much about the media from that side of things. So heading into the Olympics, which was a crazy, you know, like even after the heats, you know, when I won my heat, like I had so much media back home, everyone messaging me all over the paper. Like it's, it's like you say, it's a huge jump from the Youth Olympics from a, exposure point of view and especially in South Africa to the to, to the Olympics so uh yeah it was crazy you know especially when I came back off to London it was it was unbelievable uh, we mentioned youth Olympics but you had also been to a world championships you had been to Commonwealth Games you had raced against Michael Phelps before London 2012 how much did you know Phelps before walking onto the pool deck that day I mean what was sort of the atmosphere for you in terms of having this childhood hero in a sense I, and then it's someone that you're a rival with. It was quite an interesting one because obviously, you know, Michael's my hero. You know, I love the guy, worship the guy, and then I had to beat the guy, you know. So when I met him in 27, uh, 2011, you know, at the World Champs, I was fifth in the World Champs. He, was, he obviously won. And then we were in Miami, January 2012. I was filming for Omega um, for the Olympic commercial. And he, he was there and we were both kind of filming he wasn't filming the same day as me. And that was like the first time I actually got to meet him on a, let's say, personal level. I think he just knew, oh, okay, this is the, you know, the boy that you know, made the final, you know, nice, nice kid, you know. Obviously, I took a picture and I was like over the moon to see him. And then, um, yeah, it was just in London, it was, you know, the same. I mean, when I saw him, obviously, I was happy to see him. I was like, hey, Michael, what's up? Went to go shake his hand and, you know, fanboy, fanboying a little bit. But, uh, you know, when it came down to the racing, I was, it was all business. I was there to do a job and I was there to obviously try and win. I mean, in saying that, I, want, I don't want to pretend like, you know, I knew I was going to win. It was, you know, it was all like that. Of course, in my mind, I had no doubt that I was going to win. But like, if you had asked me a month before, I probably would have taken a bronze at the Olympics. You know what I mean? Because I was still 19 at the time, turning 20, and like, uh, you know, I, I knew where I was going, and I was on the upward, upward, you know, trajectory. But like, at the end of the day, it's still Olympic Games. You have to respect that. And I think 
end of the day, this is Olympics, you know. You can't just come out there and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steamroll these guys because that doesn't happen, you know. And I think you see guys like Usain Bolt walking around, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, you know, the late Kobe Bryant in the stands watching you, the Dream Team American basketball, watching you guys swim. So you understand very quickly where you are. You know, you're in the presence of greatness all around. So you have to just appreciate what it is just to be there. The focus and the, the work he was putting in outside of the pool in terms of studying every previous race clip of Phelps. I, I remember you'd come to training and you'd be able to recite word for word what the announcers would say, the splits, everything. So when, you, when you're approaching like something of this level, you know, trying to take down the, one of the greatest, the greatest swimmers of all time, um, in his potentially, arguably, his main race. You know, you've got to kind of have something more than anyone else has. You've got to come at it not just with your swimming abilities, but you've got to come at it with like a, a mental approach that's, you know, un unprecedented. You've got to have everything ready for Arsenal. And I think, yeah, that's just a testament to how Chad prepared for this. I think those closest to Chad knew he had a, a real shot, but I think the world was definitely like, not prepared for how ready he was to take his moment. This is actually you walking out onto the deck for the final. And uh, what were you listening to pre-race? Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, nah, you know what I was I know what you're to, listening uh, to. Yeah, he knows, he knows. Um, you know, I think uh, my friend made a, a track for me, uh, a mix of like, uh, it was actually, I've never lost listening to that song actually. So I, I used it in 2012, I used it in 2013. I think I retired in 2014, but it's a, it's a little mix of like uh, my old school Westfall that both Calvin and I went to. And um, it's like, I don't know how to say it, like it's like our war cry mixed with a little bit of music and a mix of like, you know, uh, Will Smith and the Pursuit of Happiness. If you want something, go get it, period, boom, and then the music comes on. It's just like a little motivation mix. But yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, I was in the what's zone the, there. I what's excited. the war cry? What's the war cry? It's, uh, is it dribbler? Calvin, it was Jubilee, yeah, Jubilee. Okay, yeah. go for it. Jubilee. Yeah, you do it, Wait, Should we do it? You got, I'll do it with you. <laughs> Jubilee. Chi, Jubilee. Chi, Jubilee. Chi. What now? What now? What now? Chi, what now? Westfall. Westfall. There we go, exactly. We're, we're in sync there. And then it goes like, we want chat. We want chat. And then it goes, and the whole school singing it. They did it for me just before I went to the Olympics. So. so our high school used to send out the whole swim team to welcome Chad home and we do our, our war cries and all that stuff. So yeah, I was, I remember that clear as day. That was crazy. Cindy, do you have any guesses as to what Michael Phelps might've been listening to pre-race? What kind of guy is Michael Phelps? Like what music would he be in? Hip hop, for it? sure, for sure. So like, yeah. would he have like Eminem, lose yourself in the music no in the moment? You want it, you never, never let it's, it's it go. A, it's a good guess. It's actually a good guess. I think that's his favorite song. I probably was Eminem really? Yeah, he spoke about that in 2004 after Athens. He said oh. that's what he listened to Eminem. You only get one shot. We're going to continue our deep dive and we're going to head to the race itself. Phelps was going for an 18th Olympic medal. There were records that he was trying to chase. He was trying to become the first man to win the same event at three Olympics. A female swimmer had done so previously. But what was your mentality as you have the earbuds in and you get into the starting block and you're ready for an Olympic final? You know, once once you get on the block, I think there's not much you can think about. You know, you just got to think about what you wanted to do, the race strategy. So I was obviously very excited, as you can see. I was I was ahead of everyone at 25, which is quite unusual for me. So that's when I kind of pulled back a little bit because the game plan was just to try and swim with Michael the first 150 and beat him at the end. So 
that was that was the game plan and hopefully you know try and and, and be as close as i can to him so uh i was like pretty hard and, and you know I was, I was right on his hip the whole way pretty much um i think he pulled away on that third 50 but yeah it wasn't really there wasn't much to think about it was just it was just a race i mean i don't i don't really think too much about you know i don't i don't overthink things when i'm racing i just i just race you know i, I tend to just race the race race the people sometimes when i've been in races they've been a little slower or a little bit faster or whatever and i've races that I've won and people are like, yeah, but it's not, you know, you haven't done a great time that, you know, would have won in years to come, but it's not about the time. It's about the race. It's about the moment. So yeah, more than anything, I'm just a racer. I don't have too much good technique or anything else, but I just, uh, I just like to, I just like to have a good knock, to be honest with you. You find if you overthink, if you overthink a race, um, that's when you don't do as well than if you just kind of go out and do it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously I have a strategy and I have an idea of what I want to do, but I've, I never talk about times. So like over here, I mean, I was 0.6 behind Phelps, right? If you see underwater, I look left, I look right, you know, all the things you shouldn't do, <laughs> all the things you shouldn't, all the youngsters listening, don't, don't do that. Look off to the left-hand side, great underwater, great stroking. It's kill or be killed. You know, that's just the mentality I have when I race. If I needed to break my arm in that wall, I would have done that, you know, I would have, I would have mm. done anything to win. Phelps is hanging on, he's a winner. Does he touch? He doesn't. Leclerc touch because Phelps got it wrong on the line. It's unbelievable. But Suda's third, it's a shocking upset. The crazy thing about this is you were third in going into that last uh, into that last stretch and everyone's just going, There's oh well, then, you know, Phelps has got it. Everybody's kind of getting their graphics ready going, Michael Phelps wins gold in three different Olympic games. And then you touch and I was like, what? It was like nuts. It was amazing. Calvin, how did you, you know, I think you were, what, 16 or 17 when this was happening. So how did you watch it? How did you experience it? And I'm guessing how were you inspired by what you saw from home in South Africa? I always thought that this was going to be possible. But again, it's we're talking about Michael Phelps. This isn't something that anyone had done before, really. And nor, nor was it that something anyone believed was going to happen. So... When, when it actually happened, when he touched and when the graphics came up, number one, uh, the, of course, the reaction just kind of sums, sums up everyone's feeling, I would say. Uh, that's pretty much the reaction I'd say majority of South Africa had at home watching. It was the best upset ever. It was, it was so lovely to be proved wrong. It was everything. It's hard to put into words, guys. You know, like my, my dad said, like Cindy said, Calvin said, it's a lifetime of dreaming for a moment that that is hard to put into words, you know? I wouldn't trade that moment. Like if I could go back to 2012, right now in a time machine, I would do that. You know what I mean? I know that's what we are doing, but I would do that. You've got a time machine. I mean, I would do that. I'm saying for real, for real, if we could really do that, guys, I'll tell you what, I'll do anything for that moment again, because, you know, I'm still seeking that moment again. That's why, you know, I'm still hoping one day, uh, I believe one day it will happen again, you know, the Olympics, the World Championships, wherever it is, you know, I want to be the best that I can be. Um, it was incredible. You know, that race, how it planned out, how you guys saw what just happened. Like, it sounds cliche, but I'd seen that race unfold a thousand, ten thousand times in my mind before it happened in the exact same way, similar way, not obviously right down to the touch, but I always envisioned myself being behind him, touching, you know, second behind him at 150, being underwater and beating Phelps at his own game. That was always the game plan, the dream that I had in my mind. And I think, uh, you know, maybe that extra motivation of him retiring, you know, gave me the extra kicker that I needed to 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 I touch him at the end, you know. And racing Mark, it was a huge 
honor for me. I mean, I have to thank him because I, I got all this recognition like in South Africa and worldwide, you know, because of because of who I beat, you know. I think if I'd been someone else with respect, probably wouldn't be talking right with everyone. So I'm very grateful to him, very grateful for the opportunity and uh, you know, I hope to have more success at the Olympics. Special moment for me, my family, the country, you know. I mean, I don't know what more to say. It's just uh, the, the greatest moment ever for me on my life. I did want to ask you about, you know, there was a lot of talk that Phelps made a mistake at the end. You know, then for those that said Phelps made a mistake, there's always going to be reasons for athletes not performing maybe at where they want it to be. But Phelps was undefeated in 10 years in that race, you know. Yes, it was 500s is the element of luck for sure. You know, in the World Cup final, when the goal hits the post and goes in and they win by one shot, you know, sure, whatever you want to call it, right? But, you know, Gary Player always said, the more you practice, the luckier you get. So at the end of the day, that wasn't, that was, you know, fortune, if you want to say, but it definitely wasn't lucky because I prepared so much for that moment. And, uh, you know, I do, I sympathize for Phelps a bit because obviously, you know, he, you know, I know that race really haunted him for a while and just like 2016 a little bit for me. And, and you know, when he, you know, he got one back on me, but like at the end of the day, it's all sport. I think in a race, whatever happens is, that's part of the race that's part of what being a professional athlete is so if something goes wrong it's not about luck or you know making mistakes it's that's that that's your performance at the end of the day i don't believe in this perfect race perfect thing my preparation is i dive in i race it happens phelps beats me calvin beats me hat off to them we go again next time you know what i'm trying to say and if it happens again we go again next time it doesn't matter so at the end of the day there is no excuses in this sport there's no buts to being Olympic champion. My father always taught me that. When you win the world titles, when you win uh, Olympic titles, Commonwealth Games titles, there's no buts. Everybody wanted a piece of Chad Leclerc um, at that stage in 2012. I mean, you know, he's 20 years old. He's won Olympic gold. You know, the world is your oyster at that point. So to remain focused and, and stay in the pool and, you know, be part of the training is really something quite remarkable. Also, am I, wrong in, am I right or wrong in saying you, you still swam a relay that night? Yeah, I still, right. man, I had, I had a relay 40 minutes after that. I had to cool down. Yeah, <laughs> you went really quick as well in the relay. Yeah, yeah. I think I did my best time by like a second and a half hours. Something, something crazy. You know, you're experiencing these things, but at the end of the day, he's still, he's there to race. So he's, he's got to bring it back down. He went to the warm down pool, did all the correct things and got ready to race again, just minutes after that. Um, so I think that just speaks to how, how you've got to perform at this level. You've got to always be ready for the next thing and not just sit in the in the glory and just sit like, oh, I've done it now, now it's done. You know, once you've achieved it, that just got to give you more confidence and more motivation to achieve the next thing. Cindy, that night in South Africa, the sporting community, the media, you know, front pages, I'm guessing. Can you can you try to package for us what the, the moment meant and then, of course, what it's meant to South Africa in the years since to have the most decorated Olympian in Chad Leclerc. You know, you suddenly get kids now going, well, hang on a second, I can win Olympic gold, you know, and I don't have to be part of a relay team to do it. I can go out and I can win Olympic gold in, in swimming. And it, it, it created an excitement around swimming, which, which doesn't get highly recognized in this country. You know, you've got cricket, mm. rugby, soccer. So it's very hard for individual sports to shine. We get so excited when people shine on the international stage, regardless of who we are. Like we claim everyone. I mean, Roger Federer's mother is South African and <laughs> yeah. we go, but honest about that.
South and, African. <laughs> South Africa. Anything is like South Africa, South Africa. So so when these guys win on and you beat Michael Phelps, because Americans are not supposed to be beaten because they're supposed to be the top of everything, it was amazing. So in 2004, you had the Athens Four, um, who did that phenomenal job in the relay and also caused a ma- major upset. And then we went to 2008, where we only got a silver medal in long jump. And then you go to 2012, and you just get Chad DeClaire and Cameron Conneberg just winning gold and the big upset. And it was just amazing. And of course, you know, social media was the big buzz then. So, you know, I mean, like then, had obviously trending on Twitter <laughs> what's the big thing to be you know front page of the newspapers lead story you know you're you're a sports anchor but you're fighting with the news anchor because it's actually a sports story and news is like well it's a news story and everybody's you know fighting over this this Chad Leclerc um, angle and then it's like well can we speak to his dad and and his dad becomes this huge star of the show as well gets his own little TV campaign he had a little commercial going for saying it's unbelievable because afterwards they interviewed him for saying it's un- unbelievable I was like oh my god oh, I heard that's it so, that's so good like unbelievable became like a thing everybody used to say it's unbelievable it's unbelievable my word what a performance unbelievable 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 I've never been so in my life see my dad coming upstairs here now. He's going to come say hi to us. I'm just going to say, if Bert LaClo is in the house, we definitely at least want him to say hello to everyone because, yeah, of course. Here's the big man. Oh, wow. Oh, look at that. Come on. Look at this. Bert, how you doing? Oh, he's looking so good. Are you guys? Bert, I was just saying, you were almost as big of a star as Chad was in London in 2012. What an experience that was for the whole family. It was a blur, you know, it was like, that race, it was unbelievable. You know, I thought, like, when Chad won this medal or that medal, it was as good as, as I didn't know the Olympics. It was absolute new territory for me, you know? And it was, it, since then, well, it's changed my life completely. I mean, mm. I'd have to behave myself now a little bit better, you know? <laughs> just just a, <laughs> a little, a little bit. Bert, I want, you, I want you to stay just for a second longer. Have Chad crouch down next to you if you can. So of course, he must, come down the, the, he must come down to the champion. He must come down to the yeah. champion. On you guys. Yeah. You can't and, come down. And, and Bert, tell us, tell us why you're so proud of your son, because I, I think you have a oodles amount of oh, pride in what you're going to make me start crying. Look, uh, it's no secret we are best friends, you know. Um, it's, it's, to me, it's terrible. When I talk, don't do that, because if he does that, it makes me cry. So... Look, from 63, I've never seen a father and son relationship like mine and Chad's. The BBC asked me one day in the documentary, what am I most proud about? What am I most proud about about Chad? You know what I'm most proud about? Is that the way he treats the small people, like me. The way he treats small people. And I've seen it over the last eight or 10 years when I've mixed with a lot of the top, top athletes in the world. And when the cameras are on, they're different people. When the cameras go off, they're also different people, you know. Uh, they don't give the small people the time of day, you know. And back to that, that's what I'm most proud about and of, of Chad, is the way he is. And of course, you know, the, the medals and all that, they'll come and go. Mm. But, you know, his, his, his mannerism will, will, will not change. You understand what I'm saying? That's where your legacy lies. You know, what you can do with, with this with this year. This year is a very powerful tool, very powerful. People in the Olympics should learn that because, because they can inspire. They can inspire the kids coming forward. 
Thanks for sharing. We really appreciate it. I'll leave you with my beautiful boy. Look after him and God bless you all. Thanks, Bert. And stay safe. I'm, I'll take Good my, my medals away. I'll take my medals. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, eh? Chad, I, I mean, I love the relationship and I, I just wanted to get him because I could tell that he wanted to at least be a little bit a part of that. I think what Bert said there was a little bit, well, spot on. And he has every right to be proud if that's, you know, if you've got a child in an individual sport and they're still as humble and welcoming of everybody. It's really great. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, Cindy, well said. I'm also gonna say, just touching on earlier, on how Bert was speaking about how Chad was really good at just staying humble and helping, you know, the little people around him. I can remember, you know, Chad would take me to school a lot of the days. Uh, he would, when he had his license and I was still younger than him, he would drive me to school just to kind of like, give me these little pep talks and be like, Colvin, you know, you got to keep training hard. You got to stick with us. Because I was always a little bit younger than the main group of swimmers at our team. I don't think he even realized how much that kind of played a role in my personal swimming career and just kind of motivating me and pushing me to try and keep up with the, the older boys and these guys that were doing unbelievable things. So that's just another example of the kind of, you know, the kind of athlete that he is. Thanks, brother. Make me blush now, man. Jeez. No, <laughs> yes, that's seriously. True, though, honestly, yeah. how he passed that knowledge down is, uh, I think that's special and I don't think a lot of athletes do that. Thanks, bro. This is all the feels on Time Machine uh, this episode, which I'm loving. Okay, so we made it to the final part of the show where we trade our stopwatch in to allow our panelists to hand out some very special awards in what we're calling the final lap. I'm actually going to start with you, Calvin, and what I'd like you to do is pick one moment, whether it's that final touch, whether it's the reaction in the pool, whether it's your teammate standing um on the medal podium with a gold medal around his neck what really stands out to you in chad leclos uh olympic moment look for me i I got again i gotta go with the way that he composed himself and got himself ready to compete with his teammates straight after that victory i think that's more impressive than almost someone just getting the medal because the fact that you're able to do that and then bring yourself, I mean, that's the greatest moment of his life, you know, and then bring yourself back down to reality and be like, okay, now I'm going to give the same performance at the same level for my teammates and for my country. Yeah, for me, that's that's pretty powerful. Cindy, I'm going to go to you next. For me, it's always the national anthem. It's when the national yeah. anthem plays and our sportsmen are up there and they're either like they're lifting the trophy or they're biting the medal or they've got the medal. When our anthem plays, if it's before, I just start crying. So for me, Chad like standing there and then this legend, Michael Phelps, standing next to him. But Chad's got the gold and the South African medal is playing. It's just, I get my whole family around the TV and we all have to sing with our hands on our hearts. And it's just, it was magic. It was unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And no pressure here, Chad, but what would you, I know you, you said you wanted to hop in the time machine, which I feel like we did a little bit today, but what really stands out for you? You know what, I think Cindy hit it on the head. I think I'd, I'd have to say the National Anthem was, was the moment that made me realize everything everything had come true. But a special moment I can share with you, with maybe nobody knows about this, but it was, you know, when after the race and I came into the to the room just before the medal ceremony, then I walked in there and I saw Phelps sitting in number two and I almost like said to him, hey man, I think you had the wrong chair. And, I, and that, that's when it really hit me that like, oh my God, I just beat Michael Phelps. 
and I got to walk out to the national anthem. I actually started crying back then. I was like, whew, compose yourself, man. You're going on national TV, like, like international TV. Like, it was, a, it was a crazy moment because, like I said, it's something that I dreamt about. And then when it was happening, I couldn't actually comprehend. My mind couldn't comprehend what was going on. Like, I was floating on the, national, on, on the podium. I was just like trying not to cry. And I was like bawling my eyes out because it was such a, it was such a surreal moment for me for my family and for the country because, you know, it was really what I had seen happen in my dreams, you know what I mean? And I, lo and I love Phelps, you know what I mean? Phelps was my hero. It's like looking down, I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be up here, bro. I'm like, dude, I'm not supposed to be up here, you know what I mean? So that, that's what it felt like for me. All right, well, thank you for that. Thank you to each of you, to Cindy Paluta, to Calvin Justice, and of course to you, Chad LeClos. We've hopped into the time machine back to London 2012. We want all of you at home to stay stronger together, stay safe, and actually let's go ahead and roll that South African national anthem and Chad LeClos winning gold in London 2012. Olympic Channel Podcast. A massive thanks to all involved. That's the end of our little run of Time Machine shows for now. If you do want more, then head over to olympics.com for more episodes. Okay, that's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together, and see you very soon. Think, Think like an Olympian. Like an Olympian.